Dear Shanghai fans, Shanghai trash, real Shanghai goods, and fake Lao wise. Today's special sponsor: this current transient dating scene. Special promotion on safe and settled packages starting today at a low price. If you follow the trend, abide by the rules, and do not veer from the beaten path when it comes to relationships, you have exactly what you need for your dating needs. On discount this week, the boring "Take My Time and Space" self-absorbed program, the vaguely interesting "Fuck You" expectations, the loving, cute, adorable wankers meetings with the no risk, no exception, no effort, keep my finger in there, complimentary course thrown in free of charge just for you. If you don't want to challenge your views, make sure your date date ticks all the boxes before you even meet. Go for the easy, reliable, and conventional way. Then call in right now at one two three four Unrealistic World, or go have a bowl of steamed white rice. Welcome to this tenth edition of Shy Comedy Corner podcast, the only podcast that brings you radio rainbows, unprocessed laughter, mentally divergent entertainment, and appearance-enhancing jokes. I'm talking to you from the universally awesome 72 Collective Recording Studio out here in Southern Shuhu District, harmoniously expanding the Shanghai raves and rounds, and audaciously bringing you fun and people of note via Shanghai Comedy Corner. This week, special Chicago native guest and Hong Kong-based improv comedian Gene Lambin and I will ravish your day with inane truths, mad axioms, and genuine idiocy. It's random, it's fun, and it's as unexpected as a smell-free subway ride. You can follow us and comment on the show on Twitter at shcomedycorner. Go to our website www.shanghaicomedycorner.com, or just send us an email, a bill, a love letter at shanghaicomedycorner@gmail.com. Hello, Jeannie. Hello, Julian. How are you? I am great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Bright sunny day today. I I forgot that sun existed. Yes. Because in Hong Kong, it's just gone. It's just been canceled. All right. So they 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 forgot to renew the lease. Or yeah. Something yeah, like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to the news. And uh, this week in the news, in the weird news around uh, Shanghai and China, uh, Guangzhou authorities seized 26 tons of fake salt. So, in other developments of what can be faked in China, there is salt. Um, who'd ever imagine you have to take salt with a grain of salt? Uh, Guangzhou officials recently confiscated 26 tons of inedible industrial salt that was sold for human consumption. Uh, so, if you read the Nanfang Insider, uh, they report that mainly tw- industrial salt, 26 tons of it, was uncovered in Guangzhou in the first half of the month. Um, and it contains excessive level of metals, are not safe for human mm. consumption, and can sometimes, I quote, can sometimes result in deaths. <laughs> <laughs> well, too much salt will kill you. So yeah. apparently too much fake salt will really kill you. Yeah. So if you want to go faster, I guess, take industrial salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, oh, I think that was my phone. Oh. Oh. So, so much for turning... Asking everyone yeah, in the, the salt studio police are calling. <laughs> to, oh, the salt police. You've made an assault. <laughs> <Sorry>. No. <laughs> uh, all right. I think I'll just go to assault the Assault ne- with a deadly weapon. <laughs> assault Sorry, with a deadly weapon. <laughs> I think the duck has talked. <laughs> yeah, the duck, the duck is talking. Okay. So another one. Another piece of news for you guys, because I know you like them. Idiot man detained in Beijing International Airport after saying, 
I have a bomb in my ass. <laughs> Apparently, a passenger who was, quote, in a hurry in Beijing International Airport was detained for five days after telling airport <laughs> security officers that he had a bomb in his rectum. <laughs> he did not, by the way. Uh, <laughs> he was complaining about the rapid, you know, the, the slow speed of the security checks. And he said, do I need to drop my pants as well? I have a bomb in my ass. <laughs> and the, office, the uh, security officer asked him to repeat himself, which he did. And then everyone freaked the hell out. And they, they actually called him off like a whole section of the <laughs> Beijing International Airport. Did they bring out the little robot to check? Well, uh, it must have been thoroughly searched. <laughs> <laughs> I find ass bombs are an asset when going through security. Why? <laughs> ass bombs. <laughs> I'm sorry, ass bombs make me giggle. <laughs> uh well it certainly doesn't speed up the line no no it doesn't it doesn't yeah that's one thing you learn in airport uh, security you don't make jokes no no you don't want to make no. jokes no it's not funny mm -mm. i mean it's funny when you talk about it <laughs> it's not funny when you're there i had read an article about a guy who had purchased a bottle of vodka duty free but he couldn't bring it through security mm -hmm. and so he decided rather than to throw it away he was going to drink the entire bottle on the spot. On the spot. So he chugged the entire bottle of vodka and basically walked through the metal detector and then just did a face plant on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to be taken to the hospital for alcohol poisoning. <laughs> he never caught his flight. No, he did not. Oh. Um, yeah. Oh, man. But he finished his vodka. Yeah. Yeah. Money well spent. Exactly. Money yeah. well spent. A smart, smart person. Smart person. Yeah. Uh, well, in another other weird news, Shanghai man returns a stolen Bentley... And is consequently arrested. So what happened is um, he um, it's a name uh, a, gay, a guy called Liu, and he's twenty five year old. He stole the car when he saw it unattended in a parking lot of a shop, and uh, he broke into the trunk, found a spare of set keys, jumped to the front seat, drove it to drove it home to Zhejiang Province <laughs> <laughs> all the way. A few days later, however. Uh, his joyride, joyride was cut short when he crashed a car. Oh. And his friend of good conscience told him that he better take it back. So he drew, he, sorry, drove the Bentley back into the city, parked where he found it, left a note <laughs> and compensation for the owner. But as he was walking out of the parking area, he was immediately caught by the police. <laughs> Major fail. Yeah, wow. Major fail. I kind of like the idea that he just thought... I'll just bring it back and I'll just leave a note and I'll and I'll give him some money and it'll all be fine. Yeah. There's a there's a level of optimism there that I find inspiring. It's very inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the moral of that? Don't steal cars. I don't guess. store your keys in the boot. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You yeah. don't want to do that. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No. It's so obvious. I mean it's blaming the victim, but I mean there's certain things where um yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it for Shanghai News at this point. And we are now very happy to promote people uh, doing great stuff on stage in Shanghai. And there's lots happening. So if you haven't seen Butch Bradley, uh, he's going to leave, apparently. I just just, just read that to, today online. So he's been here more than six months uh, doing his stint as uh, a kung fu comedy resident. And it was fantastic. Kung Fu Comedy Club. 
on Jinxian Lu at Massey uh, Bar. And uh, he's having his farewell headliner this Saturday at uh, the Kung Fu Comedy Club. So go check him out. He did a very successful gig at the Pearl Theater recently. And he's just a hell of a guy. He does stand up, but he also incorporates a lot of improv and he, and really interacts with the audience a lot. And it's just, just very a lot of fun to watch him. So go, don't miss him, because he's going to go back to... Uh, cleaner air soon uh also on friday dutch comic crystal zvier's headlines at the kung fu comedy club i don't know anything about her but apparently she is uh, worthy of a good night of fun comedy central's ruben paul is coming to china hongzhou and Nanjing, suzhou and finally shanghai at the end of the month so if you want uh, to know the details of where and how to catch him go to kungfucomedy.com comedy with a k there's also open mics if you feel like uh, strutting your stuff on stage and telling jokes. You can go to the open mic at Bar 390 on Tuesday or at Massey on Wednesdays. There's also an improv comedy show every Thursday by Zmac at 390. You can follow them on Twitter, Weibo and Weixin with the name Zmac Shanghai. Z-M-A-C-K Shanghai. Uh, and there's also uh, PRC, People's Republic of Comedy, having a very regular show every week also at Massey. And finally, uh, we have here in the studio today uh, people who want to promote a concert. It's uh, a uh, Nina Simone concert coming up, and we're going to listen to them right now. Say love me, leave me, let me be lonely You won't believe me, but I love you only I'd rather be lonely than happy with somebody else You might find And here in the studio we have uh, Afia Campbell and Aaron Hawkins, director of the show that Afia's in. So, uh, Afia, can you tell us a bit more about the upcoming show? Uh, yes, so it's a concert that I'm doing called uh, A Night with Nina Simone. And it's going to feature all of my favorite uh, Nina Simone hits. And uh, I'm doing it as a fundraiser to take the play, my play Black is the Color of My Voice, to the Edinburgh Festival Fringe uh, this August. Great. And where can we see the show and when exactly? It's um, going to be at Jay-Z on stage in Redtown. It's on Huai Hai Shilu and Hong Chao Lu. And it's on the 27th and 28th of March at 830 Right. So. Well, what can people expect from the show to see? I mean, you talked about Nina Simone's songs, right? Mm. But how did you go about selecting the songs and uh, what's so special for you in, in, in these songs? Um, uh, some of them I chose like songs that a lot of people know that are some of her like other people's favorites, like My Baby Just Cares For Me and mm. uh, I Love You, Porgy. And, um, and then other songs I chose songs that I really like, <laughs> which are like um, more of like the African kind of uh, sounding songs like Four Women and Sinner Man and um, to give kind of a different vibe because a lot of people know her as like a jazz musician, but she kind of has a whole lot of different styles of gen uh, genres of songs. So I wanted to introduce those that are my favorites. Great. And here in the studio, with, uh, we have uh, Aaron Hawkins, director of the show Black is a Color of My Voice. Hello. Hello, Aaron. Mm -hmm. Aaron, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? Good. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more uh, to get people excited about the show, bringing the show to Edinburgh? And Because I'm, I know a lot of people have seen it in Shire, but some might not have. Uh, yeah, it. a lot of people missed it as well. Um, yes. We 
did two successful runs of Black is the Colour of My Voice here in Shanghai, and then it went to New York for the Midtown Festival uh, last summer. Wow. How was and that? Sold. It was great. Yeah. We got a very good reception there. And we just want to take it on. It was, a, it was quite a small festival compared to uh, Edinburgh. Um, okay. But Edinburgh is the one you want to go to. Everyone wants to take their show there. And um, we feel that this show has something to offer. And uh, so we're, Afia has come up with the, the Nina Simone concert. Uh, you said earlier the director of the show. I didn't actually, I haven't directed her on okay. stage <laughs> for this. <laughs> <laughs> that would be impossible. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Yes, it's um, it's going to be a fundraiser. Uh, it's uh, lots of lots of songs, lots of music, lots of fun. Let's yeah. get everyone there, and hopefully, because uh, every 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 mao, every jow, every kwai helps mm. uh, take the show there. And um, so we're going to uh, we've just secure has just secured a venue. Ooh. I don't yes. know if you want to talk about that. It's yes. quite an exciting prospect. So. Yeah, um, it's one of the major venues uh, in Edinburgh, which is the Gilded Balloon. Mm. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna be there at a in a two twenty slot in the afternoon. So it's nice. It's a nice big theater. It's about a hundred seats. So um, so it's exciting. <laughs> really it's very exciting. So yeah. you um, so if people want to help you go there, obviously they go to your show. Mm -hmm. If they can't go to your show, just give us all your money. As, as much <laughs> money as you can give us. <laughs> we'll be on the corner. Of <laughs> <laughs> if people can't attend the show for whatever reasons, you've got a Kickstarter project, right? Yes, we have the Kickstarter. Um, you can go onto the Kickstarter website and look up Black is the Color of My Voice, or you can go to our personal website. Uh, my personal website is www.afiacampbell.com, mm -hmm. uh, or the Play the Spotlight website, which is playthespotlight.tumblr.com. Okay. And Tumblr is T U M B L R. Dot com. All right. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited for you guys because I've seen the show and I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Um, it was back in October, I think. That was the second run. The yeah? second run. Yeah. yeah the I've first one was about this time last year. Well, I, uh, yeah. No, it was, we were rehearsing this time last year. Yeah. So it's been a it's been a long process to take it to Edinburgh. Um, but who knows, if it's successful in Edinburgh, maybe we'll put it on again here for those who didn't see <laughs> that it. That would be fantastic. No promises. But no. <laughs> okay. So Sorry. if you want to help Afia and Aaron and the whole show, basically, <laughs> to go to Edinburgh, you know what to do. Go to see the concert at the end of March at Jay-Z Club on Hong Cha Road. Uh, check out the different websites, and mm. especially the Kickstarter uh, website. Black is the color of my voice and here are uh, a few extracts from the show you would always tell us that if god wanted things different he would make things different let's just wait and see we waited watching the tv while martin luther king gave his i have a dream speech i have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I listened. Even when John F. Kennedy spoke out about the blacks in America. Next week, I shall ask the Congress of the United States to act to the proposition that race has no place in American life or law. And I was horrified when Medgar Evers got shot on his front porch by the KKK. Murder 
brutality and racial hatred. They want me to tell you that we don't need nigger business. You've got to keep the white and the black separate. Police used tear gas to break up a big civil rights demonstration that almost erupted into a race riot. And I say segregation now, segregation tomorrow, and segregation forever. I waited until one day I couldn't wait anymore. It was when those bastards bombed that church. In Birmingham, Alabama, four young girls were killed in the bombing of a black church. Awesome! Awesome! Thank you very much, Aaron. Welcome. Thank you, Afia. Thank, Thank you for you. coming onto the podcast. Thank you. Hope to see you again sometime, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Maybe we can do a post-Edinburgh chat. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> See how it went. Indeed. Uh, all right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Also, we have lots of workshops coming up. And Jeannie uh, Lambin is here in the studio today to tell, tell us more about herself and what she's doing in Shanghai. And uh, because we uh, gently accepted her into the mainland, mainland territory of China. <laughs> and she's based in Hong Kong. She comes from Chicago. So hello, Jeannie. Hello. So how are you today? I am happy to see the sun. And it's just a gorgeous day here in Shanghai. So why are you in Shanghai? I am in Shanghai to do a series of workshops and then also uh, be in a couple shows with Zemak and then direct one of the Zemak shows. And then also I'll be doing a storytelling show on Saturday night as well. All right. So can you tell us more about the workshops themselves and how people can sign up or what they expect, what can they can expect for, for, from them? Sure. Well, I'm doing a whole series of workshops. So they kind of focus around improvisation, storytelling, and then public speaking. So the improvisation workshops are focused both on people who are interested in just learning more about the basics of improv. Maybe they're interested in it for public speaking. Maybe they would like to perform sometime. And so that's a basic 101 workshop. And that's happening actually on Sunday. And then there's another improv for innovation. So there's been a lot of interest lately in the business community in how you can take those basic skills of improvisation and apply them to a range of different things. And so things with kind of being uncomfortable with uncertainty, speaking more confidently, all these things that we know that improv is good for, all of a sudden all these other people are saying, oh, hey, that might be useful. So that's a workshop about how to use improv as a tool for innovation and creativity for a more business-type setting. Then there's also workshops on storytelling. One of the things that I do in Hong Kong is I do a lot of work with Hong Kong storytellers. So we do live shows every month where people tell first-person personal narratives. Mm. And so it's everything from uh, lost love to travel nightmares to horrible bosses. I mean, the range of stories that we get is really incredible. And we do a series of workshops to get people to tell their stories. So I'll be doing a storytelling workshop here and then also doing a live show where I'll be telling one of my own stories as well. And then there's also public speaking workshops as well on kind of how to be more comfortable giving presentations and not necessarily, um, you know, hi, I'm learning how to give a public presentation. I'm going to learn how to do it well. Thank you. But just <laughs> <laughs> but just helping people figure out how they are comfortable presenting. Mm. 
and finding their own style, finding their own, own style voice, exactly yeah. and their own voice and just a couple really simple strategies on how to feel more comfortable speaking in front of a group of people whether it's only two people or 200 mm. and yeah so go ahead no um i was i just i wanted to just tell our listeners where to catch a good example of storytelling because there are events in Shanghai, yeah, regular yeah. events, I yeah. mean, uh, uh, for storytelling. So if you if you don't, uh, because I was introduced to it very late in my life mm-hmm. and got to know more about it very recently, actually, uh, through you mainly. Um, I've always liked telling stories, obviously, and hearing stories, but um, this interest that people have now to apply it and use it is kind of new to me. Um, so I learned that there's a regular t- storytelling event. Uh, is it every week? I'm not, uh, I think it's it's more. Um, it's usually I think about every month or every, so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's currently at Charlie's Bar mm-hmm. on Fahua Jianlu. Uh, it's at the bottom of this really nice hotel, and uh, it's very nice in a fr- old French concession. So if you just want to have a first look and then maybe join the workshop later or learn more about it, just mm-hmm. go to that storytelling event. It's great. Great opportunity to hear uh, different stories, but also learn and understand people better through mm-hmm. them. Because mm-hmm. I think the ultimate goal is communi- better communication, better sharing of experiences. Um, and, and connection as well. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So uh, that so that you're staying until the end of March. I am staying until the end wow. of March. Yeah. They, they let you in for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeannie is here for... Two big weeks with lots of workshops and shows in store for you guys. So don't miss out. And if you want uh, to, if you can't remember all that has been said so far, which I understand because I already forgot the beginning of my sentence. Well, <laughs> you go to uh, a website. You can go to zmag.net where everything is listed. Mm-hmm. But you can also find it on other online publication like that and so on. So just Google if you if you're lazy like me. Google uh, Jeannie Lambin L A M B I N uh, Shanghai workshops, improv, comedy, fun, silly, storytelling, yeah. duck, duck, and uh, you'll find uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'll find all the info you need to attend or just uh, watch some of these fantastic mm-hmm. shows. So, Jeannie, uh, since I got I've got you here, I would like to ask you more questions about where you come from mm-hmm. and how you fell into improv. Uh, well, it certainly was a bit of a fall. So I am from Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, I my family has been in Chicago. I think I'm a fourth or fifth generation Chicagoan, which is kind of unusual. So my family had been in the U.S. for a long time mm-hmm. before coming from whatever random parts of Europe they came from. Don't call them random. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of my people came from your country. Yes. Um, yeah. S- since, hence the name Lemon. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. And uh, so in terms of improv, I was in high school and mm. I auditioned for a play. It was Meet Me in St. Louis. And I thought I gave a great audition, but the director didn't think so because I didn't get cast. And I was absolutely crushed in the way that you can only be as a 16-year-old. You know, like the world's collapsing. It's the end of the world. There were tears. There were more tears. And then there was a phone book. And because this was in the days where there were these things called phone books, which were these really big, (laughs) thick books that had numbers in them. And you had to actually, like, look up businesses. Turn pages. Turn pages. Research. Research. Oh, yeah. And uh, and so I looked looked up uh, improv classes in the phone book. Why Why did you go to improv classes directly into the, in a phone book? Well, I grew up in Chicago, and so Chicago is the home of Second City, and uh, at the time it was uh, 
Improv Olympics, which is now IO, had just kind of been starting out. And so there was this great tradition of improv in Chicago. And when I was a kid, uh, people would have birthday parties and we'd go to shows at Second City. Nice. So I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And so when I didn't get cast in the show, I thought, okay, fine, I, I'm going to do improv then. Mm. And so I called Second City and they said, oh, yes, we have we have classes, but because of your age, you'll have to take teen classes. I know, exactly. And uh, I thought Julian just, uh, Julian just made a grimace. Yes. <laughs> and, and that was my grimace that I made on the phone because I, I went to an all-girls Catholic high school. Ooh. I know, exactly. And I had to spend... <laughs> and you got out. <laughs> <laughs> I got out <laughs> as quickly as I could. In, in four years, I blazed through. <laughs> I actually spent more... I spent... I think I did the hours. I, I spent about two solitary weeks of my life in detention. When I was in high school, so all put together, two, all put together, two yeah. solitary two, weeks yeah. in detention, yeah, all in put detention. together. Yeah. What yeah. did What did you do to get detention? No, it wasn't anything that bad. I mean, it was if you were late for class uh, more than three times, you would get a detention. Oh, yeah. If you wore, um, like, I wore these socks that had this kind of crazy pattern, and they were too crazy, so I got a detention for that. <laughs> if I if I didn't have <laughs> crazy pattern no, sock mean, regulations, I know <laughs> I, it was. In, if I wore, because uh, once in a while I'd take one of my dad's shirts because I didn't have a clean uniform shirt, and um, um, and so it'd be big baggy shirt and it buttoned down the wrong side. Detention for that. Not wearing socks. Detention. Leaving my notebook on top of my locker. Detention. I mean, so it was just, it was just. But what? And this is this is a side discussion with myself, basically. But um, <laughs> <laughs> what I started, you had to write essays in detention. Oh yeah. So I started writing these comedic essays in detention. Um, like, would people read them? The dean did. Oh. Um, so so I wrote. I would write these, you know, like stories like what happened to the chicken after it crossed the road. Mm. Um, what's on what's really on the inside of an egg um so i had write these <laughs> these really silly things to the dean and um i i mean i didn't get kicked out so that was a step i maybe she enjoyed it maybe she didn't i don't know <laughs> but um there's a lot of essays about chickens and eggs yeah uh, is, that, is there a trauma somewhere probably <laughs> and, and i'm just not gonna bring it up <laughs> so you ended up going for those improv uh, teen classes or not well no no so i i was I called Improv Olympic next, and which is now IO. And I was actually talking to Sharna Halpern, who's one of the founders. Mm. And she said, oh, yeah, no problem. You can come and take classes, and you don't have to take team classes. And Good. she said, yeah, one of the women on one of our teams, one of our house teams, she's only 19. And so I started taking classes. And it was funny because I was 16. Mm. And I was in classes with people that were mostly in their... Uh, mid twenties, you know, all the way through their forties and fifties, wow. and so I was I was the youngest person there at the time, and I thought I I had thought I was kind of funny, and then I started taking improv and discovered that that was completely not the case. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. Really? Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was an awful process of kind of learning that how humor changes through improvisation mm. and kind of just because you can be funny in one situation doesn't mean you can be funny in all situations. And, um, although sometimes I have to kind of, you know, when I'm at a business meeting, Oh wait, I'm not supposed to be making jokes constantly. Okay. <laughs> and so, yeah. So then I took classes at improv Olympic and I got to study with Del Close. Mm. Very famous guy. Yeah. Very. I mean, he is one of the kind of founding fathers of contemporary improv for comedy, I would say. And I didn't really know at the time who Dell was. Mm. And so now looking back and he's kind of revered as this guru and people were writing books about him. And it's just kind of crazy that I was 16 and studying with Del Close in Chicago. Mm. Wow. What an experience. Yeah, it was. It was fantastic. So how did you 
how do you end up in Hong Kong? Because you're, you're based in Hong Kong, right? And you're delivering workshops of all sorts of uh, nature. I mean, storytelling, improv. You're also part of different improv teams in Hong Kong. So how how's that for you? It's it's fantastic. It's interesting because I went uh, to Hong Kong without a job, okay. and so and I before leaving for before leaving the U.S. I had been in academia and mm. I had been teaching at a university and teaching historic preservation, wow. and so I I had decided that when I left the U.S. that I was just going to take a break from my academic career. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I'd been working in my field for about 20 years and it was really how I defined myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I had, I had had some success and things like that. And so, so then coming to Hong Kong and all of a sudden in the city where, well, what do you do? What do you do? Oh, I do some improvisation and storytelling and, oh, tell me something funny. It's like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but you hadn't left improv completely no, throughout those 20 years no, of academic research ab- and... Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, no. Wait. No. Yeah, no. Yes. Yes. And no. I had um, when I when I learned I was moving to Hong Kong, I I got rid of a lot of books, mm. hundreds and uh, hundreds and hundreds of books, and oh, that's wow. not an exaggeration at all. And the books that I kept and the books that I brought with me were all my books about improv. Mm. And so the first weekend I got to Hong Kong was the Hong Kong Improv Festival, and I went to the Improv Festival and found out that there was a workshop the next day and it was someone from Io and from Chicago. And so I did her workshop and then I start, and then uh, PLI, the People's Liberation Improv, asked me to start coming to their rehearsals and then I started performing with them. Wow. And it was the same with storytelling that I went to one of the meetups with the Hong Kong storytellers my first month there and then was doing live shows the next month. And so it was kind of this really beautiful synchronicity of events where I kind of decided I wanted to take a break from academia and from those things and go back to doing these things that I really love improv and storytelling and acting and I had always incorporated those things into my career into my teaching Mm. but I never really realized how much of an impact those early years of studying improvisation had yeah I can see the choice is very difficult historical preservation improv (laughs) let me repeat that historical preservation Improv comedy. The show. The the choice was terrible. Hey man, if you can make bricks and mortar funny, you can make anything funny. <laughs> let me tell you. I I would go to I would go to conferences and just it was my purpose to basically do you know stand up about um, buildings. <laughs> okay, I want to hear by the end of this podcast. I want to hear a joke about brick and mortar. Okay. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Um, I mean, I've I've been in improv for like two or three years only. I've seen improv most of my teenage life on on TV. Uh, so with, were those French shows or were they? Whose line is it okay? Anyway? So all right, so that's how I got introduced yeah. to improv. And I I had a drama drama t- training in which improv was not called improv, but it wasn't kind of incorporated into the training. I did comed- Commedia dell'arte was kind of semi-improv, mm-hmm. improvised scene. So we, we knew what we were going to do in the scene. By the end of the scene, we needed to be there right. at this point, but we didn't exactly know how. Of course, with when you you know repeated the show time and time again, then things got more defined. But it was a, there was always a, a room for crazy, silly stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which was fun. And I didn't realize I liked it so much until uh, I saw all these things on TV and then finally joined an improv team here in Shanghai, namely Zmac. And uh, and then and then wow, 
it's it's basically define who I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I've learned so much about who I really am because yeah. I was always there but didn't know. And I think a lot of people uh, come to our shows or any improv show I go to and I hear people saying, how did you, that's amazing, how, what, what? Yeah. And they're just blown away by what we did, and which for us is nothing. For us, it's just fun. And, uh, right, yeah. And then, and then they, they are so remote from it and but they're so also... Uh, overwhelmed or engrossed in it when during the show, and say, is it your first time improv? Yeah, I've never been to a show before. It's am- how did you do? It's amazing. Where where do I sign up? Basically, and I've met people from all walks of life in China, either local, non-local, young, old, men, women, children, whatever. And then they all being uh, like not all amazed, but at least very curious about it, uh, to say mm-hmm. the least. And and all. Uh, so, what would you say uh, improv has brought you personally on a personal level that that not, not, none uh, no other things could have in your life? I know it's a big question. Yeah, I mean, how much time do we have? Uh, five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's. Uh, I guess th- there's so many good things that improv has brought to my life, and I mean, I get a little kind of you know infomercial-ish about it sometimes, but. One of the best things for me is just... Please try improvisation. (laughs) Problems with uncertainty, improvisation can be used to help you cope with that. And I think for me, one of the things is just this this kind of love of spontaneity and uncertainty, Mm. that I don't need to have everything planned. And it's interesting that kind of getting older, I think you kind of gravitate to wanting more certainty, wanting more comfort, and things like that. And and part of the interest, too, in moving moving to Hong Kong was just saying, yes... I'm going to completely change my life and mm. move to Hong Kong. And so for me, it's, it's, it's that uncertainty, that embracing it, and just saying sometimes, I'm going to accept this as the current reality. Mm. So even when, um, I mean, this is actually a really um, sad thing that happened, but uh, when I, I had been visiting the States and when I got back to Hong Kong, do you want sad? Can we talk about sad things? Oh, yes. Um, That's fine. So um, when I got back to Hong Kong from visiting the States, it was right around the uh, the New Year, and I was at home and heard a huge crash. Mm. And it turns out that the source of the crash was um, a neighbor in an adjacent building had jumped and committed suicide. Oh, wow. And so it was this really kind of um, awful and traumatizing thing, and I was really surprised by how upset I was, um, and how much it, it affected me. And so what I kind of decided to do with it was just kind of say, yes, you know, okay, Mm. this, this has happened. I didn't want this to happen. I don't know why it did, but I'm just going to say, yes, I accept this as something that happened in my life. Mm. And then with improv, it's and, you know, so that's the next part, like you add to it. And so I was having a hard time talking about it. I was having a hard time not talking about it. So I decided to tell, um, some friends about it. And then I put a post on Facebook, just kind of talking briefly about what happened and saying to people like, if you're going through this, just talk to somebody. Yeah. I remember this post. Yeah. Yeah. And it was amazing how many people liked it, how many people responded and then how many people sent me private messages Oh wow! saying thank you or saying, you know, this is something that I've struggled with or I lost someone this way. Mm. And then, so I decided, um, at one of our live storytelling events in Hong Kong to tell the story about the neighbor um, jumping. And what was interesting after that, too, is how many people then came up to me after that. So with improv, I think that it's this really gift to kind of say, okay, something 
has happened that I'm not happy about? Hmm. And what can I do about it? And it gives you a sense of power then to kind of cope with uncertainty. Yeah. And then also it gives you a sense of joy too, where you say, wow, this has happened. Yes, I'm really excited about it. And I get to do this. And then also just relationships and listening and all those things. So I think I tend to, after I ran my first marathon, I was convinced that everyone in the world needed to run a marathon because it's the best thing ever. <laughs> and so I can kind of be too much of an evangelist. So like with improv, I'm like, yes, everybody must study improv. Yeah. It's the best thing ever. But everybody has to find their best thing. And for me, improv is one of them. Well, obviously, if you go back to the little intro I had, ranting about people who wanted to be in safe relationships, and um, obviously it has a lot to do with improv and the attitude you have to life. As you said, you want to go for certainty, safety, uh, and and feel secure. And um, I I found out when I was three that it's an illusion. Yeah. I was like, well, there's no certainty that I'm going to get candy to this afternoon yeah, from yeah. mom uh, for whatever reason, you know. And these kind of thoughts very early on I had. And I was like, okay, how to deal with it? I didn't know about improv or anything, mm-hmm. obviously. But um, I've always believed that the future holds better things for everyone. Uh, very positive attitude. Mm-hmm. Maybe naive sometimes. But uh, but but I've actually, if you want to go into deep things, which I like... Um, if you have, if you project a positive attitude and you're more tuned in, uh, the wavelength of people who are also positive around you, mm-hmm. and you tend to not for, forget or uh, avoid, but somehow consciously or not, you tend to go past obstacles and negative things, yeah, yeah. and focus on the positive things. And I'm not saying saying no is a bad thing. Sometimes you you do have to say no, but you're Absolutely. saying, but by saying no, you have to realize. What is it I'm saying yes to Yeah. Uh, when I'm saying no? And so it's great because I'm here in China because I said yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this podcast because I'm, I've said yes. I'm, I, we've met because I've said yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all my life is revolving around yes now. Mm-hmm. And uh, being able to word it that way, because I didn't know before, um, is, is an exceptional thing. Mm-hmm. So... Yes, this uh, podcast is uh, now <laughs> sounding like an ode to <laughs> <laughs> improv. And oh, improv, I love you. Oh, improv, I love you. I want to make love to you uh, naked oh. in my bed. <laughs> improv, you oh, rock. Improv. Oh. And just, just, just to reinforce it, uh, <laughs> uh, I would like to say that this whole show is improvised. Um, I mean, we did plan it a little bit. But not so Wait, much. Wait, we planned it? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I just I just said, I'm going to ask you some questions, yeah. Jeannie. <laughs> That's how we planned it. Yeah. Um, and I would like to thank you also, all my listeners in passing, for the thousands of downloads we've had so far. Uh, thank you. And uh, if you're not listening to this podcast... Oh, hold on. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Anyway? Anyway? <laughs> Um, I'm very glad to have you here today. Um, looking forward to uh, all the workshops and uh, all the all the fantastic things that are going to happen. And we don't know what. Um, but I like also to talk about the team aspect of yeah. improv. Um, I've been trying to do stand-up comedy a little bit these last few months, and God is hard. And you need to write. You need to sit down with yourself. You need to reject seven ninety percent of what you write. You need to uh, really polish your craft over and over and over and over again and, and you're on stage alone the spotlight is on you 
and you know it's very right. a lot of pressure. But working in improv, I mean, there are there is one man improv show, one woman improv shows too. But most of what improv is about is the team, yeah, you know, from yeah. what I understand. And uh, this to me is also a great uh, factor in my life that uh, we are all alone in a way, but there are so many ways of connecting mm -hmm. uh, with other people. Improv or acting in general, but improv in particular is for me the best. Mm -hmm. Magic happens even more yeah. uh, than in any other stage events that I've been into. And I've been into music and scripted plays yeah. and, and um, presentations, all sorts of things. But improv comedy was like, wow. Yeah. Um, maybe you have a, a, a story uh, or um, an anecdote that you want to share about this aspect of improv. Well, I initially studied long form improvisation. Mm. So they're short form, which is more kind of skit and... Um, With gimmicks. Gimmicks. And it's it's more kind of comedy driven. Mm -hmm. And long form is kind of more... The humor comes from the relationships, from the story, and then constructing those all together. Mm. And with the long form that I studied, it's called the Herald, and you would just get one a one-word suggestion from the audience, like cardboard. And you do an entire 45-minute show off that one suggestion. And what was interesting about the Herald and the team dynamic during that is that when it worked, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, and it was it was it was a high. I mean, mm. and all of a sudden, you just get completely out of your headspace, and you're just in the moment, and you're just responding and developing relationships. And these stories happen, and they're writing themselves, and you just it's just happening, and it's it's this it's it's an incredible feeling. And I just did a workshop in Hong Kong a few weeks ago. And we did a very simple mirroring exercise. Where so what's that? Can you explain a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so a mirroring exercise, you are paired off with someone and you just basically start with very simple movements and you mirror to the best of your ability the movements of your partner. Hmm. And you designate kind of person A and person B. So you start off and you say, okay, person A, you lead. And person B follows. And then you say, okay, person B, you lead. And person A follows. And then you keep switching them back and forth, but then eventually you say, now you have to decide to switch. Hmm. And... What's so much fun about that exercise, and I'm sure you've done this, but that yeah. moment where all of a sudden... No one's not, leading. No one's leading and no one's following. And it's yeah. this, this amazing just connection that you have mm. with someone. And I love that about improv and that the team dynamic, what, when you're in a scene with someone and when it's flowing, it's just absolutely incredible. When it's not, it's it's horribly and hideous. <laughs> like there's death by improv is is just oh god, <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. It's yeah, horrible. It's horrible. But uh, but most of the time it works uh, to yeah. a, a magical state. Oh, for me it's like Nirvana. I mean, it is. Yeah. Uh, I remember a show. I was very lucky to be part of last last weekend in Hong Kong for yeah. the improv yeah. festival. Um, if you had listened to the latest, the last podcast we did, I included an interview with you actually. Um, and um, I remember that show on Saturday night at 8 p.m. It was just, it's just beautiful because we were working with, I was working with two other members of my team, but we also include two extra members, yeah. one from Beijing, one from Frankfurt, that we knew, but, you know, we, we know them well, but not that well. I mean, we see each other once or twice a year at yeah. most. Yeah. Um, and uh, the first night we just bombed. I mean, the first night was just terrible. <laughs> it was just uh, shameful. <laughs> death uh, by improv. Death by improv. Um, no excuses there. But the second night on the Saturday night was just, beautiful yeah. and it was one of those moments where i feel like i'm part of something bigger yeah and yeah. and 
there was that moment when when uh, one of the members tried to play a blues song on the harmonica, but the harmonica wouldn't work. It was full of spit or something. And then we all said yes to it. Yeah. But we actually said the word yes. Yeah. And it was just beautiful and magical because we all said it in a perfect timing. And it was just... And, and just that humor was created. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's my next point also is um, finding humor. So I, I get to ask a lot of questions as a budding comedian. Uh, I always consider myself as budding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, and I always get asked this question, uh, how to be funny? Uh, how did you, do you end up being funny? And I said... <laughs> Uh, well, it's natural. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can be, as you said earlier on today, uh, we, you can be funny, you know, with people, with friends and all. Yeah. So uh, there are some people who are naturally funny, but when they go on stage, it's a whole different story. It's, yeah. And that's a big mystery to people who've never studied improv or anything uh, dramatic or anything. So uh, what would you say to people who've never... Um, studied or understood or tried to really understand what's going on if you have to give like a general answer because uh, I have my own ideas but I'd like to hear yours first about what what is it to be funny basically what is the essence of humor you got five minutes <laughs> <laughs> I think one I think it varies from person to person but for me the funniest moments are the ones where there's that moment of recognition, of poignancy, of just responding to the situation and making kind of a, an observation about it, which mm. isn't a, a very um, succinct answer. But, I mean, I guess for me, humor is very contextual. Yeah. And and I think the the most brilliantly funny people are the ones that can be funny across a range of contexts. Mm. And... And I think for people that are interested in learning improv, you know, because when you were saying earlier about people just not thinking that they can do it, it's really training. I mean, so for that type of humor, it really is just learning. Here are the basic skills. Here's how you use them. Repeat. Here are the basic skills. Here are you use them. Repeat. And it's really amazing teaching workshops and seeing how people grow and understand how to be funny in a different context. So I, I want to talk about a very special person on this podcast that has amazed me in terms of growth and development in, on stage. And I want to talk about a Chinese girl named Elva. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Elva a little bit. Yeah. Uh, sh- and this woman, uh, from she's from Hunan. She lives in Shanghai now. And she was uh, basically thrown into improv uh, through her partner. And, uh, and I, I met her more than two years ago yeah. and she was that shy beautiful but uh, young woman Chinese woman very shy obviously her English was not very good so that explains part of it but not all of it and she started being more and more interested in improv and she finally joined classes and my god she's so different in a good way Yeah, yeah. she has brought out all of her humor and to me she's the one Chinese person that I know of that has learned the most in my in the two years I've known her and I've known other people doing it. Yeah. I've seen from it's like from zero to five thousand. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just amazing. And you wouldn't believe it if you didn't see it because it's just truly amazing. So to all the people who are listening to this and like, I can never do this or this is not serious or for whatever reason or excuse you're giving yourself, it's wrong because you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone can do Everybody it. Everybody can do Everybody, it. Everybody, you just have to 
the first step is the hardest step, basically. But uh, it's like doing a show. Yeah. So go for it. And, and the creativity that, that's unleashed out of you is amazing. And a lot of people, uh, even doing improv, I know also know people doing improv, shows and all, that be, can constantly berate themselves, uh, saying how bad they were and how uncreative. And, uh, and it's not the case. It is yeah. not the case, and it and for some people it takes longer to believe in themselves, and this this is what I, you know you were talking about what improv brought to you. I think what what it brought to me is just being more confident, definitely, yeah. and believing in the creative things, believing that you can do stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, talking to Drago, my number seven uh, podcast guest. He and he said, I remember him saying, "Oh, I'm tired of these people having great ideas," because he said, "Why? Why don't you do it?" You know, and it's the difference yeah. between having ideas in your own mind in the comfort zone of your sofa or your bed or your shower, and then finally going out into this world naked as it is and yeah. and and just do it. And that's what improv has taught me: just do it. Yeah, yeah. And it took me a while because you know everyone has their own paths and journeys. Mm-hmm. But definitely. Go for improv or go for any anything related to improv. Or just doing something that you want to do. Yeah. I mean, that I think that um, when uh, in in when we did long form, um, you would stand in a line um, and mm. you were on stage the entire time. And so, you know, when you would step into a scene, it's like stepping off the line. And sometimes you would step into a scene with an idea and then that would change. And other times, you know, someone just needed your help and you just had to step out without knowing anything. And I think... Um, I think there's plenty of people who feel no compunction about like not knowing anything, but you know, they like, I'm like, Oh, I, I know nothing, but now I'm suddenly an expert and I have a blog about it and blah, blah. But I think that, <laughs> but I think that there's also a lot of people who are hampered by that feeling like they have to know more in order mm. to do it. And part of the way you learn is by doing yeah. and just stepping outside, you know, stepping in, you know, into the scene and just saying, okay, I'm here. This is what's going to happen. Definitely. There's lots of games where, you just learn by doing, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you can read all you want about improv. You can, you know, attend a lot of conferences and stuff. But just go to the workshops, do it. And yeah. Even if you don't want to be on stage, uh, but but somehow, even for your personal relationships, business relationship, personal relationships, it helps so much. I'm I'm not a great leader. I've, I've, I've always dubbed myself as the opposite of a great leader. I don't know how to lead a team or anything. But improv has taught me how to do this very mm-hmm. simply by just accepting what's going on and and saying yes to... And then I was put in, 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 in a position where I had to lead a team at work. And I was so scared because yeah, yeah. they were much older than I was. So yeah. There was that, that prejudice, that pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I felt like, uh, what is it I'm going to tell them that they, w- they will want to believe, you know, from me, the little, young, naive teacher from kindergarten, basically. <laughs> I, that's how it felt. And, uh, and and all these, they were all looking at me and I could feel maybe some resentment for having to attend a meeting with a much younger person right, yeah. teaching you stuff about life. Um, thank God I was with people who were very understanding or polite, but there was still that feeling. And improvist taught me a lot about how to deal with that situation. Mm-hmm. And and in also in my relationships, personal relationships. And uh, I don't know. I think uh, your phone is ringing. It is ringing, and I thought I had turned it off, so I'm just going <laughs> to... That's, that's fine. But anyway, yeah. um, 
um, it's a, it's just an amazing world. And I'm making this podcast sounds very serious. <laughs> I know it's like we're, we're being so serious and so up with improv. Yeah. During this, so. Um. But but uh. Yeah. If there's one thing, you know. Well, one thing too that I think is so much fun too about doing um, improv in in Shanghai or in Hong Kong or um, you know the shows we've done in Manila and other places is mm. one the. Um, the different styles that people develop yeah. regionally. But then also for me, it's so much fun and it's so challenging figuring out what will be funny for an Across. audience. Mm. Like in Hong Kong, we get local Hong Kong people, mainland Chinese, um, people from other parts of Asia, Western people. But mm. even like, even with people who are, you know, from the West, um, they're European, you know, Australian, mm. American, um, Canadian. So there's all these different um, backgrounds as well. So it's really fun trying to figure out, okay, what will resonate? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's relationships, it's, yes. you know, visual things. And so it's, it's, that's for me, one of the fun, and it's also, it's frustrating sometimes because I feel like that there's so much I don't know about everything. And <laughs> when you're on stage it's like oh my god i know nothing i'm a failure <laughs> i'm I'm gonna give up now um, so um but yeah so i i really enjoy that aspect of performing here definitely uh finding the universal in yeah. humor or in situations as we say because i think the word humor puts a lot of pressure on everyone and it's 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 not fair yeah because you what is funny is unexpected and it cannot. I mean, you have funny like puns and, and yeah, jokes, yeah. but that's very intellectual and contrived. Right. But yeah. but the fun in improv is the the little things, the the situations and the context, um, and uh, definitely f trying to find the universal comedy. Yeah, you know, the human yeah. comedy, as we say, yeah. uh, is the is the is the fantastic part, basically. Mm -hmm. Because we're all always striving to find that element uh, in the show. It's not easy. No, uh, we fail miserably now and then, and uh, but when but when it happens, it's just magical. But one of the things that I I love is just because I I'm trying with Cantonese, but there's still so much I don't know. Yeah. And so when I'm able to have an exchange with someone where I'm either you know trying to you know just talk to someone or help someone or you know asking someone for help or whatever, and I can manage to make that person laugh even though we don't speak the same language, and then they make me laugh, and um, that that I, I, it just makes me so happy. Yeah. To when humor can transcend those barriers. Definitely. One of the first things I've learned in Mandarin Chinese because obviously you end up taking a lot of taxis. Yeah. So I thought, okay, let's take advantage of this. Let's make you know this short journeys as useful as possible or not whatever but uh so the first things i've learned are you know polite things of course and uh the <laughs> the ubiquitous answer would be oh your chinese is very good <laughs> and which is a form of politeness i yeah. guess it's very polite to compliment someone on their chinese especially if they're foreigner they're making an effort and i thought that was really cute but after nine years in china <laughs> <laughs> getting the your Chinese is a very good line. Right. Uh, brought me to think I, mean, I should say something back. Right. All right. So I usually answer in my poor Chinese, your Chinese is pretty good too. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that moment of, there's that silence with the driver, <laughs> that awkward moment. And it can go either way. Either right. it can go, but I'm Chinese <laughs> or it laughs, yeah. you know, because often a he, sometimes a she, but often it's a male driver. And um, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And I love this little moment yeah. where 
they start to understand I was being, you know, yeah, uh, silly, yeah. and and they they got it or not, or yeah. or they get it, but like twenty seconds later. Anyway, any any experience with that is is beautiful. Yeah, and that's that's the universal, right? That's the unexpected. I'm talking about language, right. talking about situations, yeah. talking about relationships. Yeah, yeah, your training is pretty good, and I'm now the expert. I'm not. You just said I was the expert, so I'm reversing the roles, and it's really funny. I, this was an English language exchange, but um, when um, I was um, when we were looking for apartments, um, I mean in Hong Kong, I mean it, the apartments are just incredibly small. Yeah. And so uh, my my husband and I we found this apartment, and that was it was actually a good size. And so we were looking at it with the uh, rental agent, and it was like the second stage of it. So the landlady was there, and I said that I was very happy to find this apartment because I was going to have to find a smaller husband. <laughs> <laughs> Because my part, my my husband is 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 quite tall, and so she looked at me for a second, and <laughs> she couldn't tell if I was being serious, and I just had a deadpan expression. Then all of a sudden, she burst out laughing. <laughs> That's beautiful. Those little moments yeah, are great. I love them. Yeah. I love them. Well, Jeannie's been fantastic talking to you on the podcast about improv, about ass bombs, and uh, <laughs> fake salt, fake salt, and brick and mortar jokes. Yeah. Which, I'm still waiting for, by the way. I've realized that now. Um, but uh, if you want to catch Jeannie Lambin in Shanghai, you know what to do. Go to smack.net. You get all the details of shows and workshops. If you're in Hong Kong, will be in Hong Kong, are in love with Hong Kong, or are currently living underground in Hong Kong, uh, you can catch Jeannie Lambin at Takeout Comedy Club on a regular basis. Uh, there's uh, PLI, People's uh, Liberation Improv. There's the Elgin Street Players. You can yep. like them on Facebook. So that's the teams you belong to. Um, and uh, Hong Kong Storytellers, too. So if they're ever in Hong Kong and want to come to a workshop or a show, that's fantastic. We love getting new people. Great. Thank you very much, Jeannie. Okay, thank you. And see you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.